0: welcome to the neurodiverse love podcast i'm mona and i was married for 30 years in that relationship for 32 and we did not find out we were a neurodiverse couple until our 29th year of marriage and i've been divorced for years we have an amazing 25 year old daughter and she is doing fantastic so i am so excited for today's podcast I uh, have been going back and forth with this person on email. We finally got a chance to schedule the recording of the podcast. So I want to introduce you all to Jennifer Cook. So some of you may be familiar with Jennifer because she is the on-camera expert in Netflix Emmy-nominated series, Love on the Spectrum US, which I absolutely love. She was identified as being on the spectrum in 2011, and I think that you were 35, Jennifer, is that correct? That's right. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay, so she's an autism advocate. She's the author of nine best-selling books available in eight languages, including the foundational The Asper Kids, Secret Book of Social Rules, her groundbreaking memoir, which is amazing, called Autism and Heals, and her upcoming My Friend Julia, a Sesame Street book about autism. So cool. Among her titles are a Wall Street Journal bestseller, ASA Book of the Year, a Publishers Weekly Best Book title winner, and six of Book Authority's best-selling best memoir and top autism books of all time picks. So she sits on the Autism Society of America's Council of Autistic Advisors. She's a multi-award winning international presenter who has spoken everywhere from the White House to the National Institutes of Health to royal audiences in Europe. In her work, Jennifer helps unzip, I love that, hidden social rules for neurodiverse people of all ages, coaching them toward a more connected, fulfilling life and relationships. And she's based in Charlotte, North Carolina. So, welcome, Jennifer. And you're not here alone. Thank, Thank you, you, Mona. No, I'm not. I have brought a special guest today.
1: Yeah, it's, oh. a, it's the dog. No, I'm kidding. It's my kid. no, I'm kidding. No, it's my better half. I brought my better half.
0: And your so, better, better half's name is Brett. Yes. And before we got on um to record the podcast, I asked <laughs> if if Jennifer would introduce her better half. So Jennifer, yes, can, can you I do know, that?
1: No pressure at all. <laughs> this is great. I love it. I will tell you a quick story Once, just to tell you how much pressure this is. When I was in Oxford once and I was giving a talk, there was a, a gentleman, looking back on it, he clearly must have been on the spectrum because just a little bit, matter of fact, but uh-huh. he, uh, he asked me if um, how I wanted to be introduced, and I said, as long as you don't say, you know, just, I, I said, just say something nice, or here's a bio, or just as long as you don't say, you know, that redhead, that crazy redhead, and what do you know he gets up there and says, it's the crazy American redhead, so... <laughs> I, in general, do not like doing my own introductions. Now let's try my husband. Okay, okay. so um, I'd love to introduce you to Brett Banks. Brett is—he actually made a note so that I would get this right. Nuclear licensing engineer for X Energy LLC. I knew the name of the company, babe. He just started a new position in May, and so I'm still—I still waffle between the the last title and this one. But basically, um, it means he's really smart. And um, in a former life, was a professional musician. Uh, He actually um, toured, recorded an album. He was a bassist, still is, I suppose We shouldn't say was, right? A musician is always a musician, right? Yeah. Um, He is the dad of four kiddos. I am the mom of three. So between us, that is a blended, bigger than Brady Bunch, seven. Yes. Um, Yes. Yes. Um, He is brilliant, creative definitely the math, the, uh, we say the graph paper to my lined paper, Ooh, I and, love that. you know, yeah, and has a complete dad sense of humor, if you know what I mean.
0: So uh, I love it. This is going to be so much fun. So Brett and Jennifer, thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on to the neurodiverse love podcast. And when Jennifer and I were emailing each other, I said, I think that you are the first neurodiverse couple that I've met with where both partners are autistic. So this is a great opportunity for those folks out in our community who are autistic themselves and with a partner who's autistic to learn a little bit about how you all navigate your world and what's different and what works. So I, yeah, I love to start by hearing how the couples that I interview met and kind of what attracted you to each other. So I don't know who wants to start, but I would love to hear the story of how you met and what attracted you, Jennifer, to Brett, and Brett, you to Jennifer.
1: You wanna? You wanna take this? You want me to do this one?
2: Oh, you can take it, and I'll fill in a little bit. Okay. In there.
1: Um, so Brett and I met uh, in. Let's see, it was six years ago. So I can do my little math. Twenty sixteen. Um, I was married. He was separated. Um, we met through, shockingly, autism work. Um, wow. wow. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a great love connection, you know, what um, mm-hmm. like you would not expect. I was actually speaking um, at a, a conference in um, Oklahoma, and he was out about to visit his brother out there um, and came and spoke with me after at a book signing. After I had spoken and said, um, you know, I think we live nearby and our kids were about the same age. And he starts talking about um, once, what was it, once upon a time? What was the name of the show? Yeah. Once upon upon a time, a Um, a Disney fairy tale kind of uh, very cult classic thing. Anyway, um, his daughters were really into it. And my daughter was about the same age and was very, very into it. And we kind of said, oh, geez, instant friends. This could, you know, this might be a a nice thing. Um, And he said, you know, when he got back to um, Carolinas, would I be able to help him also perhaps connect with a diagnostician? Because he was at that point, hadn't been diagnosed, was thinking maybe, you know, he had heard it. And I was in meeting with him for like five minutes. I was all like, yeah,
0: completely. (laughs) (laughs) You knew, you knew. Yep.
1: (laughs) Recognize your own kind, you know? Yes. So um, anyway, so yeah, so we followed up afterwards um, back in Charlotte and lo and behold, the kids, uh, became fast friends, uh, and which is now nice this many years later because, of course, now they're family. Right. Yeah. So. So.
0: So, what attracted you to Brett besides his brain?
1: Well, you know, okay. First of all, that there was we have a conversation about we have a or a joke about using the word hyperbolic. Um, you know, in our first conversation, it, it came out that there was obviously. He was obviously brilliant, and that, for me, is, you know, like, the best thing going. Mm-hmm. Um, but more than that, there was an obvious artistry, to, even though I didn't know about his actual creative background, there was an artistry to the way he spoke um, later on To when we connected, you know, um, uh, through email or, you know, in the way he wrote. Um, obviously, what was really, or I shouldn't say obviously, but what was really neat about Brett and me for me is I never had a situation where I was friends with someone before I was romantically involved with them. It was just always, you know, one or the other. Mm-hmm. So we never had a situation like this, where we were, we really became best buddies through what became a very tough, well, was a tough time in his life, became a tough time in my life. And um, I suppose already was, but we really just hit it off and we so supportive of one another um, in so many different ways. And that really balanced things for our children as well. And so seeing what kind of dad he was, um, I think, was another another huge one. But really, above all, I think what attracted me to him is the way he makes me feel about me. Mm. And that was from the very beginning. Um, I've, I've always felt very safe with him. Wow. And that, that, I think, that underscores everything else. So, you know, he seems f- completely and constantly curious and that's something that i adore i would like to think i i I would like to think that i'm the same way um but yeah so that's just a couple a couple of the things
0: oh that's awesome it sounds like you saw so many strengths in him and probably jennifer just hearing what you said strengths that maybe you didn't even recognize in yourself that you had or things that you admired in yourself and you saw in him and you admired in him that is what a beautiful story now Brett do you want to share a little bit about what attracted I should you say he me? was really cute too Mona I should say that. I don't want really-
1: to <laughs> out. But it was a little, like I said, it was a little uh, tricky. But
0: yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. Well, that's so cool. Also, that you started as friends. Because then, you know, you got to build on so many things before you became romantically involved. I love it. Exactly. So thanks, Jennifer. And what about you, Brett? What do you want to share about your side of the story?
2: Um. Well, to be honest, and I'm not... I hope I don't burst her bubble. Uh, getting to meet her in Oklahoma was actually a surprise bonus. I was out there to listen to <laughs> Temple, know. yeah, speak, uh. Uh, and at, at the conference, and she was on the lineup as well. And it was just a, a chance meeting, and realizing wow. that that we lived that close together. Um, in terms of what attracted me to her. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot that didn't.
0: But, um, <laughs> uh-huh.
2: um,
0: so she's she, the whole package. She's the whole package. She is the
2: perfect combination of brains and beauty. Yeah. Um, Aww. It's like e- everything that I had ever imagined in a relationship. I mean, obviously, I learned this over time, but everything that I'd ever wanted, she just did without me saying anything.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. The synergy, it sounds like you two have is amazing. And you're going to be such an inspiration to so many folks who are in our audience. Thank you both for sharing a little bit about what attracted you to each other and how you met. So it sounds like, Jennifer, you knew immediately upon meeting Brett that he was (laughs) autistic Yeah, and you had your own journey because you got diagnosed as an adult so both of you got diagnosed as an adult I'd really love it if you could share a little bit about how getting the diagnosis will start with you Jennifer how it impacted your life individually and how maybe both of you knowing you're on the spectrum has impacted your relationship and it sounds like for the better because you yeah. both understand each other, which is all. Awesome. Oh my gosh,
1: I'm sure when I say about feeling safe with him, I'm sure that a large part of that was because and is because I know if A then B, and mm-hmm. our our B reaction is going to be more similar than perhaps somebody else's. Yep, um, if that makes sense. So totally. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I I could I could tell with him. You know, we were both initially diagnosed with Aspergers, and you know, back in the day when that was part of the um, you did know, not under the umbrella. Um, so, right.
2: You were, I was after DSM 5. You were
1: after DSM 5? Okay. Mm. Well, there you go then. Um, <laughs> not, not that, you know, not that it matters, but I, I've since live on the spectrum, I've gotten some feedback which makes me sad, which is the, oh, she can't possibly be on the spectrum mm. and she can't possibly be autistic. And I just, that breaks my heart because. One of the things that I said, I, we talked about tangents, and here I go on my little tangent, but I think it's sort of an essential one. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that, um, you know, and this comes down to the diagnostic process and certainly what, um, how it affected me when I was diagnosed, or I like to even say identified, because sometimes to me, diagnosis sounds like, you know, what you do with cancer, right? Yeah, so I agree. Say, yeah, di- identification is, is something you can be very positive. And for me, it certainly was. Um, And I think that it's so sad when we get worried and caught up in the labels of high functioning, low functioning, as opposed to, I like to say, more or less obviously challenged. Because as we know, you can look like you've got it all together, but that's not necessarily the case. And you can basically mask yourself right out of whatever supports you might need. Yes. Um, So, um, but there's my little soapbox. Um,
0: (laughs) I think that's really important Jennifer I want to talk to that a little bit because you know I started neurodiverse love because I did not know that my ex was on the spectrum neither one of us did and I'm social worker I have three degrees in social work but when I went and got my degrees it was in the mid to late 80s there was no such thing as Asperger's and uh, and ASD was not in existence either so so I also know that there are a lot of women that are struggling and then they find out they're autistic and maybe even autistic ADHD and their whole life begins to make sense. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I've had a lot of those um, women that are willing to talk about their story, come on the podcast and talk about their relationships. And I can't tell you how many women have contacted me and said, oh my gosh, now I know that yep. I'm autistic yep. and why I had the struggles that I did. So, you know, I, I think we have a very dated vision of autism. And I hope that, you know, the, all the amazing work that you're doing for kids and adults and others is going to make a difference, you know, for the next generation. So, well, it's a
1: village. It really does take a village, doesn't yes, it? Yes, does I agree. Take all of us. You I do, agree. Doing the yeah.
0: work, yeah. Yeah, so what kind of led up to your diagnosis? I know you My, have... Three kids, yeah, who are yes. all autistic, correct? Yes.
1: Um, okay. And they were diagnosed um, first. My So my kids now um, are 19, 16, and 13. But, you know, take us back 11 years ago. And I had little munchkins.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: Um, You know, and yeah, they, um, they were each diagnosed, it it was the hardest to get my daughter diagnosed. Shocker, shocker. Mm -hmm. You know, I was told she's not weird enough. That was Mm -hmm. from a neuropsychiatrist. She's not weird enough. Okay, well, you know, um, thanks so much for that. Right. (laughs) uh, Okay. Um, But yeah, so. Each one of them, basically what was going on was that, you know, you have the requisite OTs and PTs and all the the T's that come along with when your kids get diagnosed. Right. And they started saying to me, so why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And it wasn't why you're doing this because it's weird and wrong, which is, I think, what so many of us are guarded and ready to hear when you've got children who've got different needs, Mm -hmm. um, you know. um, But it was that makes sense. That could be kind of cool. Could you tell me about it? Mm. And, you know it just started to kind of unravel a bit for me that maybe there was a reason that what I was doing organically worked with my kids. My father had passed away just um, a year before kind of the whole uh, autism crack, you know, um, story for our family cracked wide open. And he was a, just a classic absent-minded professor, you know, looking back on it, brilliant, brilliant man who, you know, literally walked into the women's room twice during a party because he was so socially anxious. (laughs) God bless him. You know, he would rock rock back and forth on his feet. The social anxiety was awful. All the things that we Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it sort of occurred to me, oh my Lord dad was on the spectrum and then Mm. oh my lord maybe there's a reason genetic link you know maybe there's a reason maybe this would explain everything to me yeah uh, for me well that ended up being the case and um, as well their father however is also on the spectrum he was diagnosed Mm -hmm. right during the whole thing so um but then and then it was my turn and it was as you mentioned before it was a great relief it was um you know the beginning of logic Mm -hmm. um, to make everything kind of make sense and be able to retroactively sort of fit my life or refit my life into a narrative that would be more merciful, more graceful, um, you know, and like I said, more logical.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I think a lot of adults do find out about um, their autism because their child gets diagnosed or a grandchild, yep. even. Um, or they see a show and they say, oh my gosh, I've been doing that. So, so Brett, do you want to share a little bit about your journey? And then we'll talk about your journey as a couple.
2: Sure. Um, So interestingly enough, you've mentioned two things. One, people around you who should have been able to recognize, I say, that didn't. Um, Mm -hmm. The majority of my 20s and 30s, my mother did respite care for uh, the parents of autistic children Mm. and never made any connections. Um, And then you talk about seeing a show. What actually led me down the road of researching and and looking into it was my oldest daughter and my ex-wife had been watching, uh, what is the show? Parenthood?
0: Yeah. Parenthood, yeah.
2: Yeah. And my daughter had started kind of joking around with me about it that, you know, yeah, we we, we think you're on the spectrum, Dad. We, definitely. Mm. And so I, you know, at, at first I just kind of brushed it off. Mm-hmm. Um, but then started paying attention and, and looking at it and noticing some of my behaviors, noticing, when my behaviors would become a bit more extreme in terms of needing order, Mm -hmm. Um, just different things like that. And so that took me down the journey at the age of 40 um, of looking into it to see, you know, is there any validity to this? And it turns out there was. Wow. Um, In terms of how it's impacted me. Yeah. It's like my entire history all of a sudden became clear. It had been hazy for so long. Everything, the picture just became very clear.
0: Wow. Wow. Thank you so much, Brad. I, I can only imagine, you know, it's different for everybody, but it's so wonderful to hear that when you were identified, and I love using that word, Jennifer, so I'm going to steal it. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> when you were identified as autistic, how the picture became clear. And I think it's so wonderful that you both had um, kind of a similar way of looking at autism. I know there are a lot of folks who are diagnosed or are identified and they fight it and they don't want to Mm -hmm. share that with anybody. But I love that you're willing to not only share it, but Jennifer, you're an amazing advocate and you're helping others, you know, accept their identity. And I'd love to hear a little bit about what your relationship looks like as husband and wife, knowing that you both have, I'm sure, just like in any relationship, your own individual needs, but you know, what's the level of understanding? What do you think are the greatest strengths and maybe what are some of the challenges that you're working through? So I don't know who would like to start. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll say a little something and then I think you probably can give some really good answers to that one. But um, one thing I just wanted to note when you were talking about how sort of our initial reception, I remember when Brett was going through the whole, hmm, is this me? You know, you know, I was, we, we had to come friends. So we mm-hmm. were walking through, I was kind of helping walk you through that a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember him saying one of the initial things that he said to me, was, was, but, I feel things so deeply. It can't be that because this is something I think somebody had mentioned Spock, mm. and, and right, and he said I feel things so deeply. It can't, it can't be me. That can't be right. And I said, no, that's exactly, that's exactly the point. And I actually sent him a link to, to a clip from um, a Star Trek movie, um, where, yeah, uh, yeah, where Spock was talking about that he uh
2: that might have been the moment i knew by the way
1: knew wow i love that that you're autistic or knew that you were in love (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, you know because he was saying that uh he assumed that persona because he needed to distance himself from from emotion not because he didn't feel emotion yeah and so
0: yeah Let's talk about that for a second, because I think that that is a um, challenge for a lot of the couples. I do two free support groups for neurotypicals, and I'm always trying to help them understand that even though their partner may not verbalize their emotions and may they may feel challenged because their partner isn't providing the emotional reciprocity they need their Mm. partner is probably feeling so many things that they just don't have the words for and that's where the bridge needs to be created so that both partners can understand that they're feeling emotions, but very differently in how they can communicate. So I don't know if you want to speak to that um, at all. I couldn't. I mean, I just couldn't agree more. Um, okay. You, <laughs> okay
1: cool. To, I mean, of course, as usual, I have stuff. Like I mean, this is. I'm not a not chatty person. In case you haven't noticed. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I, I. Why do you think I have a podcast, Jennifer?
2: Go, I love Jennifer. to talk.
1: Perfect. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point, Price. Do you want that one or?
2: Um, I... I don't know that I can answer that specifically. Uh, for me, what in terms of the dynamic of our relationship, what I have learned, and it's taken a while. Mm-hmm. It's taken a while for me to get here, and I would not claim to be perfect at this at all.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I have been able to shift the way that I think and perceive certain actions. Like if if she were to do something that upset me or, you know, if there were an argument or a conflict in the past prior to understanding things, I would have immediately jumped to the conclusion that it was an action against me. And I would interpret it a certain way. Understand that we are both on the spectrum now. Right. I'm, I'm able to take a step back from that and go, okay, wait, let me reframe this through who I know her to be, rather than the way this is coming across externally right now. And it, it's changed my perception of everything.
0: I love that. I love that. And I think the word you used, Brett, that's so important is reframe. Because when we look at our partners and know that we love them and that they're kind, caring people, when they're not overwhelmed, which is probably most people, um, and we can stop and kind of pause in the moment when we're feeling overwhelmed or really emotional, I think, and reframe what's happening within our bodies and what's happening with our partner, it can be life-changing, I think you hit on such an important piece. Thank you so much. What about what about you, Jennifer? Um, yeah, I I, I think a hundred percent. I just I mean I agree with that. every
1: word you're saying. I'm just like nodding, <laughs> going yeah, yeah 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 that you know. Um, so, okay, to which part? What about me? Um, well,
0: well, what, what do you think? Let's, let's talk about some of the strengths because I think, Brett, what you just said is a major strength, yeah. whether you're in a mixed neurotype couple or same neurotype, to reframe and look at the intent and really see your partner through a positive lens rather than getting overwhelmed with and really taking it personal i mean i think that happens a lot right you know in any relationship absolutely
1: i think there's um there's a phrase that i heard a couple years ago and i I loved and i've held on to that curiosity is a beautiful thing in a relationship Mm -hmm. and I, i think that even you know even to brett's point about considering intent i think actually one of the most dangerous things that somebody on the spectrum can do um is to assign intent. Um, I think that because of my mind blindness, right, because it is so organically next to impossible for us to just step into somebody else's shoes without really having information about each individual moment, right, we don't generalize them particularly well. Um, Because of that, I think it's incredibly easy to assume well, I can't, there's, I can't see any other reason that somebody would do X or Y. Therefore, that is why they did X or Y. And I think that tends to be where we end up or where you see folks um, protecting themselves and building walls and you know, getting, um, having a lot of cognitive um, uh, inflexibility because it simply is, it's black or white, this is what it is. Um, one of the books of mine you mentioned the secret book of social rules i wrote that from i started writing it anyway for myself um because it was right after i was diagnosed and i just started noticing that there were all these it seemed secret rules that people were abiding by that i never had realized existed until i was diagnosed Mm -hmm. and then it really became this um this experience of un- unzipping, as you said before, right? Um, that which was taken for granted by everybody else. But I think one and, and it, the benefit of doing that, well, many, but one of them is that I could second guess, I could offer myself an alternative, the, the gentleness of an alternative that what I thought wasn't necessarily what someone else's uh, intention was in that moment. So the curiosity to be able to say, what were you doing? Mm-hmm. what what was your intention even mm-hmm. if it seems you know and then you have to know how well do you trust that person to believe what they're saying that's right. that's the difference right you know and, and i think so for, for brett to brett's point i think it's just taking it that one step farther it's that um we don't assume that we know what the other person's intention is but we do assume that we know what the intention is not which is never to hurt the person
0: I love that. I mean, I think so many couples would be better off if they, they didn't assume things, don't make assumptions, don't take things personally and always engage with a sense of curiosity and look at the, the intent rather than, you know, taking it to heart in a negative way. I love that. I love that so, so much. So, so what do what do you think are the greatest strengths in your relationship since you know you're and you've both done your own work because I think that's really critical you know yeah we can all walk into a relationship thinking there's something wrong with our partner or everybody else in the world right 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 so what do you think are the greatest strengths maybe you know one or two that each of you um would want to share with our audience sure right
2: the greatest strength is the place from which I am able to live now what I mean by that is there were a lot of in, in my previous life, um there were certain philosophies, um religious, political, that I I went along with, but it wasn't me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And when When I left that, I made the decision that, all right, I'm I'm never going to live from a place of not being me and not being completely open. And especially with Jenny, I made the decision, like, I will never hide a piece of myself. Mm. I love
0: that. I love that, Brett.
2: It's being able to live from a place knowing that the real me is loved. Not the image that I'm presenting or masking, but the real me. And there is a profound strength in that.
0: That is priceless because I am guessing that prior to being identified as Autistic, you were masking, you were camouflaging, you were pretending to be whoever. Other people wanted you to be or your community or your church because you mentioned, you know, them and the I I saw it in my ex, the anxiety that that creates, the um, anger that comes out that isn't naturally maybe who you are and the feelings that you have that nobody can understand, you know, even yourself until you get identified. So thank you. That is really powerful I think that's going to hit hard for a lot of our listeners is there anything else and any other strength that you want to share Brad before Jennifer shares hers
2: yeah I'll I'll share this conversation when I was going through my separation um I I knew once I figured out like what was going on with me that things were not going to be different Mm -hmm. Uh, my ex-wife was absolutely nowhere close to the spectrum. Um, And I I remembered her saying, now that I know what you're dealing with, I'm willing, like, I'm willing to give you your space. And my thought was simply, I don't want someone to give me my space, I want somebody that will jump in it and occupy it with me. Mm. And you know, it was it was kind of that moment where I realized, like, it's this just isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And now I I know. There there are times when I, I don't even feel like Jenny and I are different people; we're just the same person in two different bodies.
0: Wow, 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 wow! Yeah, yeah
1: we're pretty lucky. Yeah, pretty lucky
0: wow thank you so much that is that is profound and that is just amazing for the two of you what an amazing bond and and like soul connection
1: yeah absolutely and you know it it's okay i I think this is where i I mentioned my dad earlier and i wish for my father that he had gotten um that identification had had a chance to have the self-awareness rather than, you know, um, honestly beating himself up for so much and for so many things during his life. Um, and I think back to my dad and there was a, there's a song um, from The King and I, um, it's called Something Wonderful. Mm-hmm. My mom used to say it reminded her, her of him and it was something to the effect of, um, he may not always say what you'd have him say, but, at, but every now and then he'll say something wonderful.
0: Mm.
1: and my dad would buy, you know, my dad was not effusive when it came to um, compliments or when it came to mushy language, you know, Mm -hmm. he would not have had the, I mean, did he have the vocabulary? Obviously he did, but I mean, see, there's me thinking literally, but, Mm -hmm. but figuratively, the vocabulary that, you know, that Brett just did, um, but, in saying those things, but I think partially that's because Brett's had the opportunity to to work, to work through things, and you know, and to kind of see it all. But right. my dad would buy my mom, you know, would always get her flowers, and would always buy multiple greeting cards um, because he couldn't quite get his own words out there. Mm-hmm. So he would buy like you know three or four birthday cards, three or four anniversary cards, um, and in a way to sort of try to encapsulate everything that he was feeling. So I think that, you know, when you talk about that, so many of your listeners, I'm sure to hear what Brett's saying may even sound frustrating, you know, that, that, well, that's not what I've got going on. Um, And it's okay, I think then to, to realize that there are different ways of saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. And. Um, you know, and that there are different ways to listen for it. And then the onus is, is on, and this is why I go back to those secret social rules, right? Is on the person who's learned that they are on the spectrum. Because if you know that your partner needs certain things, you do really owe it to them to try to give, to try your best, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know? So it really is that, that meeting point somewhere in the middle.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I love Brett, your honesty, because, you know, I, I think there are a lot of couples where one partner, when they find out that one of them is autistic, one partner is willing to try and the other might not be. That was the case in my marriage. I was willing to go to the ends of the earth mm. to try because we have been together for 32 years, right. but I think, you know, for my ex, he had never lived on his own. For the first time, he had lived on his own because we separated before we knew. And he had found peace. And he had found tranquility. And he had found balance, you know, because Mona wasn't yelling at him for certain things. Or Mona wasn't pointing out things she needed. So Mm -hmm. I give him, um, you know, credit for finding what he needed. And sometimes... It's not your partner that you currently have. And I think a lot of people hold on to their partners and they live in um, a place that isn't healthy for either partner. So thank you really for sharing that. Um, You know, I, I would love to hear. It sounds like, again, both of you have done tremendous work and you really understand each other. Are there challenges with seven kids, (laughs) that's a lot, and, you know, your full-time jobs and all the things you're involved with, are there challenges that you both deal with that you think um, you've come to some understanding that might be helpful for our audience. How do you balance, you know, the work family life? How do you balance your your individual emotional needs and mm-hmm. your social needs or your time alone? Any thoughts that might help our listeners?
1: Well, you know, I think that one of the things that those of us on the spectrum really, um, you know, one of the things that sort of sets us apart mm-hmm. um, is the visceral visceralness, viscerality, I think, anyway, the way we viscerally respond to, um, to triggers and, um, there was, we, we just had, Brett and I do not argue often. Um, but we had a situation just the other day and I love the way in the end that it, that, that we got through it where Brett was, Brett was emotionally triggered by something. And that was a misunderstanding And which is, you know, fine. That's the way it usually is. And the way it goes when you have two people who genuinely care about each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And Brett's response was that he kind of shut down a little bit. And when he tried to talk about it, my response was, um, but that's not what I did was to feel accused. Mm -hmm. And I think that's for me, my, because my, you know, my thing with autism has always been, how can I be so smart, but so stupid? Like, mm-hmm. how, can, how can I feel so dang clueless when I know I'm an intelligent human being?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, you know, it was, uh, do you think I'm, you know, do you think I could possibly be doing that? That doesn't even make sense, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and what was wonderful about, about this, because I think so much of the way we responded, both of us, really had to do with our autism. I think mm-hmm. really a lot of it did. Um, was that even through it, even when triggered, Brett, I think, could maintain that place of, although maybe holding on, you know, just, just tenuously, you know, of I don't know, what I'm thinking doesn't have to be necessarily what is, right? Opinion does not equal fact. Yeah, um, Observation does not equal fact, I suppose is a better way of saying it. Um, and, you know, and for me, that at the end I could genuinely say to him, okay, when everything was calmed down, what could we do? And this was literally part of our conversation is what could I have done differently to avoid an argument in the first place? Mm
0: -hmm. You know,
1: what could we have done? Because it hurts so desperately just to be at odds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I think that when you get used to, you know, one of the things that we, those of us on the spectrum tend to do oftentimes is we look for patterns, uh, is that we look for rules to follow. Um, and so I think that can, that can serve us though sometimes emotionally, even though it doesn't sound, it sounds counterintuitive. But if, if we're learning and if we're listening to situations and learning from them, I think we can oftentimes really extrapolate some big old fat truths.
0: I love that. I love that. And you know, um I don't know if you're familiar with the Gottman method. John. Yes, oh absolutely. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So one of the four horsemen is defensiveness. Yeah. And I know that, you know, because um especially with the neurodiverse couple where there's two different neurotypes, both people can absolutely be right yep. but not understand each other's perspective. And, you know, I I think it's important for our listeners to know that even if you're in a same neurotype relationship, it doesn't mean you're going to get each other's perspective. People are people, right? Right. And and so um, looking for the patterns, I think is really helpful. And then kind of um, taking apart in a way, or analyzing what happens. So you know what you could do differently. It's gold.
2: It's gold.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I used to do that with my daughter, you know, when she was growing up and she is a mini version of her daddy in so many ways. Uh, (laughs) She was never diagnosed, but we've had many conversations about this, but I used to do that with her. I used to say, okay, so that happened. What could we do differently? Or what have you learned? So you can do it differently next time. And I think that applies to any romantic relationship too. So thank you. That's gold, gold, any, Anything else that has worked for you to balance all the things that you are both responsible for in your households that you think would be helpful for our listeners to hear?
1: You know, I think that some people, it's interesting when Brett says that his, his uh, first wife said about um, giving him space. And for me, like, that's the last thing I want for my partner. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you know, so Brett and I both work from home. And I realized that for some people that might absolutely be, you know, just so far above and beyond what they could possibly handle, just, you know, um, suffocating. Right. Uh, But for us, it works really well because we both do kind of, you know, I I say often that um, a lot of times autistic people, either our brains work like fireflies or or railroad trains, right? We're either completely (laughs) focused on something or like (laughs) all over the place. Um, I love it. Yeah. Well, we can, that way we can kind of go back and forth. And so that if there is a firefly moment and I can just, Oh my gosh, I forgot this, which it tends to thank you very much. Executive functioning skills, you know, tends to happen. We're there, we're there for the other one. And I think it's balancing um, just having the other person around. So it doesn't feel like there's such a delineation between home and work. Um, It's all just kind of, it's all, I guess, because maybe, maybe our brains aren't quite well. Mine isn't, anyway. So, um, you know, what am I compartmentalized?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but Brett, what, you look like you're about to say something.
2: Well, I think a lot of this, in terms of, like us both working from home, being around each other, pretty much twenty four seven, and even the stuff that we were just talking about, in terms of argument resolution, and things like that it presupposes something that I had actually begun to doubt could possibly exist. And that is that your spouse really is the best friend you've ever had. Mm. I don't want to be around her at all. As time goes by, I want to be around her more and more. And that is something that if I had heard someone say 10 years ago, I would have said, okay, either you're lying or you're just trying to get me to believe that to pass some of your own torture to me. Wow. False hope.
0: Wow. So why, Brett, I love that. And, and you know, I, I always felt that, that my spouse was my best friend. I would love to hear why you thought people might be lying to you or mm. might be telling you a fib. Why did you not think that was possible?
2: Um, I knew early on in my first marriage that it, it, was, it probably should have never happened. Now, mm-hmm. I said that, I of course would not trade anything for my four kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew early on and that marriage lasted almost two decades. Um, and just a, a little story that I've told several people at this point my ex's favorite movie was the notebook okay I refused to watch it because I was I don't need another fairy tale telling me things that I know cannot possibly exist Mm -hmm. after Jenny and I became romantically involved I decided to sit down and watch it and I cried like a baby because I saw absolutely none of my previous relationship in it and everything about my current relationship in it. It was it, I became a believer in things that I thought were fairy tales. Wow. Um, I, I love that. So from that, I guess that's that's the, the biggest thing for me is is coming to the point where you actually believe that things can happen. Oh, why did I believe it was false? I'm sorry, Jenny just reminded me of the original question. question. (laughs) Did I just take an autistic tangent? Yes,
1: you did, but that's
2: okay. No, I I believed it it was false because that was the only place I'd ever seen it. Right. Was in fiction. Right. I'd never seen it in real life. Um, Right. Never felt it in real life. Uh, and, And so I... I thought it was just a way of passing the false hope down to the next generation.
0: Yeah. But now you feel differently.
2: Oh, I, I don't feel differently. I know different.
0: You live it. You live it. Yep. I love that. Yeah. You found your soulmate. If you believe in that, it sounds like you both did. And um, anything else you want to add Jennifer to that? Thank you. That was beautiful because I think, Every single person that I talk to, whether they're autistic or not autistic, ADHD, on this, anywhere on the spectrum of neurodiversity, I think most everybody that I've had the opportunity to talk to, they want a relationship. Now, there are folks that don't want relationships, you know, romantic relationship. And they're trying to figure out, like you said, the social cues and what the rules are and what they need to do. And then when you find that partner who just gets you. Doesn't mean there's no conflict. Doesn't mean that you know, every every day is going to be perfect because we've talked no. about you know all the different challenges that you've had and how I you drive with him things. nuts sometimes. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> sure. you know, and vice I'm versa. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure, but you understand. Each other. You're looking through a lens of curiosity. You're looking at the foundation of intent. All those things are so important. Yeah. Anything else you want to add about that, Jennifer? Before we go to one more question, I want to ask you both.
1: I, I think you are are nailing everything on the head. Um, I think it, you know it's a wonderful thing to get to hear your spouse. I also think you know how often do we actually get to hear our spouse say yeah. kind of all those good things. So I think. Yeah. Um, I think that's awfully special. So I appreciate that, yeah. that experience today.
0: That's awesome. So I I always like to ask my guests this because, you know, I'm almost 60 years old. I'll be 59 in January. And if I were to give myself a magic wand and go back and tell Mona, you know, don't worry about this, don't think about that, whatever, um, I can't do that. But I like to give my guests on the podcast an opportunity to have that magic wand and ask, what would you tell both of you what would you tell the younger versions of yourself so that maybe you wouldn't have to go through some of the challenges you went through even those even though those help build who you are, who you are oh. now um, and the reason I ask that is because it might help somebody listening to the podcast now Mm -hmm. so one or two things that each of you would tell your younger self that might have helped
1: i can think of one off the top go for it
2: i've got two okay awesome uh the first would be don't lose hope Mm. be patient it is possible and the second would be Understand that if you really want someone who gets you, yeah. quote unquote, they're probably going to be a lot like you. And there will be some bumps in the road. So you need to be ready to really look in the mirror and, and come to grips with who you are because they will show you. Love it.
0: Love it fabulous thank you brett for that i i think you are so right and you know people hear the term soulmate and they think that's somebody who's their perfect match it's not it's somebody who came into your life to teach you lessons to mm-hmm. show you all sides of who you are and then you get to decide if you want to learn in that relationship and grow and become the best version of yourself so i love that brett thank Dr. you Thank you. What was that, Jennifer? A hundred percent. So what are you going to tell your younger self, Jennifer? And what I mean, do you think? You know, I think that uh, I, I guess a couple different things.
1: One would be um, to give yourself grace, um, you know, that, it is okay to feel confused, and and that does not mean you're not intelligent or you know brilliant or talented. Or um, it is okay to find things confusing that others don't, mm-hmm. um, and that doesn't comment on who you are or how you are. Um, I think when Brett just said about you know if you're looking if you want someone who gets you, I would say to that you have to get yourself first, mm-hmm. right? And and that's it's the work has to come has to come first. Um, And I think that, you know, just I guess that it's okay to have to have made big mistakes and and that sometimes goodbyes are necessary for hellos and that that in and of itself is not a fail. I did a I did a um, interview not too long ago and somebody because my on on my books, for a lot of them, it says Jennifer Cook O'Toole, which is my former married name. Mm -hmm. And um, and I'll even put formerly O'Toole sometimes because people may know me from that with that last name. And the question was asked, uh, well, since your marriage failed, what kind of advice do you give? Mm. Um, I thought that was so I just kind of I I took a step. I was I was a little taken aback with that, Uh, you know, because I don't think that we've failed. Don't think we fail so much. Um, I think we make mistakes. I think we learn what we might have done differently. I wish I had been more patient with myself. I wish, um, I wish I had really gotten myself sorted out and um, had everything in my own life professionally, you know, um, going before uh, before I got married the first time. Mm-hmm. I think I wish I had had my, my feet under my ground, um, you know, under me a little bit better. Um, so I think a little bit of that too.
2: Perfect answer to that question would have been the more informed kind of advice. Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I say that again, Brett, I'm, the more informed advice.
2: Yes. Yeah. When I asked what kind of advice she can give because of a failed marriage, it would be the more informed kind of advice.
0: I agree. I agree. I mean, you know, I'm doing a podcast called Neurodiverse Love, and I've been divorced for four years. Right. Everything that I experienced in my marriage and in the relationships after my divorce. Uh, have taught me so much about myself and so much about the kind of partner I want to be. In every relationship, I am a better partner. And, you know, it just so happens that I think I have a type and it's autistic men. So if you you know anybody, send them my way. There you go. The cool (laughs) ones always are. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I can't thank you both enough for sharing, for talking openly about your relationship and a little bit about your journeys. And I want to know where are audience can contact you jennifer i know you have um, lots of books out there and resources and is your website the best place for them to contact you, know, you?
1: either that or through instagram so okay. um, yeah the website is jennifer O'Toole. see gets confusing jennifer O'Toole, author somebody out there who wants to be able to help me fix my wix site to make it so that it's a cook i would love you um but, <laughs> but probably from somebody from our community um but anyway jenniferotoolauthor.com or like i said through instagram which is um jennifer cook author um i either myself or somebody from the team will respond
0: okay awesome and brett i don't know if you're on social media if there's any way for folks to contact you or is it best for them to go through jennifer's social media and website
2: uh probably through jennifer okay my my social media is limited
0: yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) all right well
2: keep up with it
0: Oh, I hear you. I am so thrilled that we had an opportunity to talk. It was fantastic meeting both of you. And I just hope you have a great summer.